This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. The 33 of us arrived early Saturday morning at the church with a lot of luggage to load up and head to Kansas City. We have some great people in this church. Richard Johnston, R.J. Kennett, and Doug Wallace volunteered to go with us and drive the vans back from the airport, but we had a lot of luggage. When it became clear it was going to get very uncomfortable in those vans, Randy Bland volunteered to drive his vehicle loaded with luggage as well. We flew mostly without incident and arrived in San Diego where myself, Ryan Hubbard, and Monty Rhodes were handed keys to three large passenger vans. Now Adam from Praying Pelican had well-written instructions for us drivers about crossing the border. After reading those instructions carefully, I decided that my best course of action was to stay directly on his tail as he was leading the way in his white minivan. This did not work out. As we approached the border, I completely lost him. Knowing that we had to get to the right, I was trying to push my way through this uh, stream of cars that were going by us. I wasn't sure where this visa office was, but I was trying hard to push to the right. And then I saw it, a beacon of hope in the form of Pastor Jim, who was running out into traffic to show us the correct way to get through. This did not please the armed Mexican border patrol, but his heroics were appreciated by his team. We were able to get our visa with only one more scolding by the border patrol. Leaving the office, we proceeded through the border where all the vans were asked to pull over and questioned. The border patrol agent stopped us, asked questions that she probably expected easy answers to, like how many people are in your van and how much luggage do you have? But standing in the back with that door open, I had no idea the answers to these questions. (laughs) I kept glancing at the well-armed gentleman uh, in full military fatigues as the custom agent seemed like she was going to open every bag in the back of that van until she opened one bag which had uh, been inspired to be packed with a pillow or possibly a memory foam mattress. (laughs) Because when she opened it, it expanded to three times its size. And she struggled to get it closed. And once she got that done, she was done with us and waved us through. I breathed a sigh of relief, believing that the worst was over, not realizing that I was about to embark on Mr. Toad's wild ride without the tracks. We sped through the coastal highway. Uh, This time I was driving in the last van, even more desperate to keep up with the ones in front of me. And upon arriving in the city of Ensenada, we did slow down but only because every two blocks there were three-foot speed bumps that we had to get over. It was after dark at this time, and I can't tell you how many stop signs I saw only outside the passenger side window as we proceeded through that intersection. After about 15 left turns and 13 right turns, we arrived at our church, La Vigna. This was our home for the week. On this trip to the church, the vans in front of me had to stop several times to to let me catch up. And I think this was the start of God's message to me. I tend to think of time spent with people just as that, time and energy spent, uh, given, lost. But uh, God used this trip to remind me that time spent with his people or in his purpose is time invested that has a return. Our group was so large that we were assigned to work with two different Mexican churches. We slept in the sanctuary of a third church every night. On Sunday morning, our first morning there, 
we cleaned up all of our luggage and all of our sleeping gear and packed it away in the back room so that they could have room to have their Sunday morning church service in there. I was part of the group that went to Iglesia El Buen Pastor Ensenada, Pastor Omar's church. When we got there, I found out that he was expecting some of our group to speak to his church. It was a quick scramble to figure out what we were going to do, in addition to the song in Spanish we had prepared. I was the first to speak to, the church, speak to their church, and I spoke with a greeting from our church. The people there welcomed us with warm hospitality. I spoke with a translator, but I thought I could throw in a little of the Spanish I knew. I meant to say, it is so good to meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ here in Ensenada. Unfortunately, I was so nervous that instead of saying hermanos y hermanas, brothers and sisters, I called them hermosos y hermosas, beautiful and beautiful. (laughs) I realized my mistake after I sat down and I had to laugh at myself. But I don't think I was actually that far off, because it was beautiful. We were from different places and spoke different languages and were different in many ways. For example, some of our group was a little startled and might have jumped a little when someone unexpectedly blew a shofar from the back of the room. But despite our differences, we followed the same Jesus. We worked toward the same kingdom And we are brothers and sisters of the same family of God. It was a privilege to connect with and learn from and serve alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ there. And that Sunday we were blessed to worship together. It was a little bit what I think heaven will be like. Thankfully, God had allowed a conversation that morning with Kylie when I found out that she had written down her testimony and she had it with her just in case. She did a wonderful job working with a translator and a wonderful job allowing God to speak through her. The church people there were very responsive to her. What she shared touched many hearts there and in our group too. On this trip, I loved seeing the ways that God used Kylie and the rest of our kids and even our adults, to connect with the people there and to point them to Jesus. Kylie's going to share with you what she shared that morning. Yeah, I was silly enough to tell Cindy about my testimony. (laughs) Um, If I can get my paper open. So um, I told Cindy that I wrote a testimony because I wasn't sure if I was going to use it or not. And she was like, oh, you don't really need it, I guess. And then we get to the church, and she grabs me, and she's like, Kylie, I need you. (laughs) So (laughs) I was super nervous and anxious, but I did it and cried a little bit, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) So when I was thinking about what to say to the people in Mexico, I was scared and lost. Um, I would have these thoughts that were telling me, people have bigger problems than you in Mexico, like, you're fine. Um, But after months of praying and crying and questioning my ability to even write a testimony, I felt God calling me to share my story. 
I was born into a broken home. My mom was a teenager, and my dad was an abusive alcoholic and drug addict. Um, I spent most of my days at my great-grandparents' house. My great-grandma would tell me how amazing God was and how perfect he was, and it would make me so angry. How could he be so perfect and loving and make my life so bad at such a young age? My mom decided it was time to leave when my father shot a gun in the house when I was home alone with him. He was trying to kill my mom, but was too intoxicated to even comprehend what he was doing. I only remember a few things that night since I was so little. I remember the gunshot, my dad throwing things at my mom and cursing her out, and my dad grabbing, my dad grabbing me by my shoulders so tight that it left marks shaking me, saying how bad my mom was and how he was going to get me back no matter what it took. The last thing I remember was my dad leaving to get his cousin to come hurt my mom and who knows what he would do with me. After years passed by and we were safe, (laughs) I heard my mom praying for my dad. I was extremely upset by this and we started talking about it. My mom is a wise woman and so I finally realized that God was there and he protected all of us. My dad could have killed my mom And my dad could have easily overdosed or hurt himself, and who knows what would have happened to me. It took me a long time to forgive my dad like my mom did, but once I did, I eventually learned to love him as well. In 1 Peter 4.8, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. God gives us trials and hard situations for a reason. It might be to test your faith, draw you closer to him, or open your heart to something. God opened my heart to forgiveness. I want to end this with a verse that I think is really powerful and meaningful to me. 1 Peter 4, 8. So if you are suffering, keep on doing what is right, and trust your life with the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Thank you, Cindy and Kylie. As has been mentioned before, um, our group, since it was so large, was divided into two groups. And uh, they talked about Sunday morning at Pastor Omar's church. Uh, We're talking about Sunday morning at Pastor uh, Candy's church. I think Candelorio-ish is how you say his last name. But it's much much less brutal to say candy in Spanish than it is uh, Candelorio. We were at... um, a place called Inglesia Roca de Salvacion, or the Rock of Salvation Church. Uh, there's a picture of it um, on the overhead right now. I specifically want to talk about the structure of this church, um, the physical structure of the church. The church itself was much larger than I anticipated, especially because most homes are probably like 400 to 600 square feet. But this was a large gymnasium-style church, uh, red, steel constru- red steel construction, concrete floors, and it had the metal just on one side. It was kind of like a, a partially finished shell. Uh, throughout the week, uh, Pastor Candy and I became friends, and we were talking after lunch one day. And, you know, I was, I was kind of wondering what was going on with the church. I could tell he wanna, wanted to talk to me about it a little bit, too. So through our conversation, I kind of asked him the plans for the church, because... Uh, 
it was used mostly as just the church, but then for the kids, they played a ton of soccer in it as well, which was uh, really cool. But um, I kind of asked him the plans for it, and he showed me a couple pictures, which I don't have up, of uh, how they want the finished church to look. So I said, hey, actually, Jim just pulled it up right there. That's what they want that shell that was just shown to look is uh, that's the, the architectural drawing of it. And I asked the pastor, how much money does it cost to finish this? Because we just went through probably a similar size building, $400,000 budget on a family life center. And so since the average Mexican makes about $4,500 a year, you know, that cost seems, seemed to my mind almost insurmountable. And so he, when I asked him the question, he just said, you know, much money, amigo, friend. And we got to talk. And so finally some figures came out. And um, he had taken on this church when he was about 20 years old, uh, has never taken a salary, travels to the United States to make money, and basically builds this with the help of volunteers. So finally the figure came out that in order to completely finish it, the materials, uh, they would have volunteer labor would cost $10,000. And that's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but it's not $400,000. And this church had a $10,000 need, which... You know, probably more than half of us here drive more than $10,000 vehicles and, and have many things that cost much more than that. And so that really kind of hit home on maybe being able to help out um, some brothers and sisters in Mexico to, um, to, as a challenge to help meet that need and, and, and um, kind of climb that almost insurmountable mountain to them. So if you're interested in that or want to know more about that church, please talk to me because um, the, 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 the place was fantastic and there's a need there for that church. So when we got to that church Sunday morning, uh, there was nothing in it. But then a few minutes later, um, there was a truck that pulled in, and it had all the sound equipment for the service and all the chairs. So after that was set up, the service started off with several worship songs, some of which we'd heard before, but only in English, never in Spanish. And to make it even more difficult, there was no lyric sheet or projector, so we couldn't even try singing along in Spanish. But after the worship and some prayer, our group was introduced, and we sang a song in Spanish for them. Then after that, Pastor Condelario introduced our speaker, Alexis, who had just graduated from Bible school, and he'd only preached once before. But he was bilingual, so he was able to translate the entire sermon himself. It was really cool. And so he preached about discipleship, and then during the, his sermon, he asked people from the congregation to stand up and read the verses in English and in Spanish. And then after the service ended, we ate lunch, and we started getting to know the people there, and we got to know them better over the week. And so that service and the rest of the week really reaffirmed to me that we all really worship the same God. And so even though we couldn't communicate the best with the people in Mexico, we all have the same goal, and that unites us. The kingdom of God is worldwide, and we get the privilege of being a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Just a second. Um, I didn't actually get to finish up with one thought. Megan gave at the very end uh, what impacted her, and I kind of left with um, talking about the church and didn't get to talk about that. Uh, so myself, just briefly, among you know just a million things that we learned this week, I would say the number one of the top things that God challenged me with was investing. Um, uh, investing time is greater than investing money. 
uh, into ministry. And um, at least me personally, and probably a lot of us as Americans, it's easy to maybe throw a few bucks in the offering plate or towards a project because um, that, 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 doesn't, um, that doesn't take away our time. In fact, we're kind of buying somebody else's time. I'm buying Pastor Joe's time, Pastor Jim's time for them to go take care of that need. But God really kind of challenged me to uh, invest my time. The, a time investment from me is much greater than a money investment from me. And I would challenge you that as well to think about that, that um, if we're just investing money, we can see things be built. But if we're investing time, we can see relationships change. And that really what happened this week. So um, thank you guys. Okay, so Monday through Wednesday, we, um, at the beginning of the day, we packed boxes to deliver to families in the community that the pastors knew. And so we spent time in the Mexican grocery stores, which were awesome. And the produce there was insane, like nothing we have ever seen before, like so much. Um, So we bought food, and we boxed it up, and then... We met up with the pastors, we split up with, in our groups, and we met up with the pastors, and they took us to these houses, and one of the houses in particular that I went to with Pastor Condi, um, there were two young ladies there, um, one was Elizabeth, who we spent a lot of time this, that week with, and her older sister, and they, we brought the food in, and then they were telling us their story through the pastor, and Um, their mom had passed away about two years ago and their dad was out working two jobs to come up with as much money as he could to help support his family and we got to hug on them and pray with them and talk with them and we had no idea the impact we had on these two ladies until a few hours later. We were in the church and Um, word got out that they were so, so thankful for us because they had no food left in their house. We brought what they now only had. They had nothing in their fridge, nothing in their shelves. They were, they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. And we had no idea. And so what I'm taking away from this trip is through God, our little actions can cause huge impacts that will last a lifetime. How can God use four of his precious daughters, the Bryson girls, on the mission field who are broken grieving, and hurting. He does that by drawing near to them. He does that by strengthening them. And he did that for us. And he, he, he does that by surrounding us by, with an amazing team. One of our food basket deliveries was to a beautiful sister who had recently lost her daughter to cancer. As she shared her story, I knew I needed to share with her my deep grief and God's deeper goodness. 
I prayed that God would draw near to her, showing her peace, strength, and love that passes understanding that I had felt and experienced the past two years. I realized in those moments that God had a purpose and a message for my pain. And I am thankful he gave me the strength to share with her that day, even in our grief and deep sorrow, God will use us. I was part of the group that went to um, Pastor Omar's church, the same church that Cindy talked about. And um, one of the main activities that we did during the week was kids' ministry. On Sunday, we walked through the streets and we handed out flyers to invite the people and their kids. And even though the dogs weren't so friendly, (laughs) the people we met were always warm and welcoming and so hospitable. And I think about in El Dorado how we wouldn't see that. I mean, we, people wouldn't know what to think if we walked up to them and invited them to something and handed them a flyer. But in Mexico, they had this warm light that they'd shine to others, and I could see Jesus in the people's faces that we went and talked to on the streets. And on the days of the kids' ministry, we sang songs with some choreography. <laughs> it was pretty fun to watch. <laughs> And we read and illustrated Bible stories, and we played games with balloons, and we did crafts, and we even performed a skit and set up a bounce house for the kids. And it was so fun to interact with them and watch them laugh at our attempts at speaking Spanish. (laughs) And thankfully, we had two awesome translators, David and Adriana, with our group to help us with that. And it was a really awesome experience to read the kids' story in Spanish and see that they understood what I was saying, even though I didn't understand what I was saying half the time. (laughs) But it was just a really awesome experience. And even with the language barrier, we could see the joy and the enthusiasm that the kids expressed for every single thing that we did. And they just had the joy and the love for even the little things that we did for them, that they made a big difference. And not only was it worth it to be stretched out of my comfort zone and build relationships with the kids there, but it was also worth it to get closer to the people on my team. I mean, we go to the same church and the same youth group, but we hardly know each other. I mean, I'm so much closer to so many people here on this team. We've laughed together and we've cried together, and it was so amazing. And Jesus showed me how to look for God and to see what he's trying to tell me in the situations throughout the day and how his perfect plan, his wonderful plan for his kingdom is unfolding in our everyday lives, in every single little thing that we do. And how much it changes things to invite him into every moment of our lives. And watching the little things that we did make a big impact, like Isabel said, to further the kingdom of God, that was an amazing experience. I think God wanted me to get out of my comfort zone on this trip, and I did, and it was awesome because I got to meet new people, learn how to play new sports, eat new foods. It was awesome. And it was amazing being at Pastor Candy's church. 
Um, we did a lot of kids' ministry. We played soccer with them, spike ball, four square, and threw the football and frisbee around. It was a lot of fun. The kids were a lot better at soccer than we were. We got destroyed most of the time when we played them, but still an amazing experience. The kids were always good losers and good winners and very fun to be around. Thanks to all of you who supported this trip in one way or another, and I feel very blessed to be a part of it. Our last day in Ensenada was a fun day. And so we started off the morning doing some souvenir shopping, and then we headed south of the city to just an amazingly beautiful cove in the ocean with glittery, sparkly sand and sand dollars everywhere. About a third of our group stayed behind just to enjoy the ocean, but the other two-thirds of us went ziplining. Now, I have had an insane fear of edges for as long as I can remember. And the very first time I ziplined, I had to be pushed off the edge to get going. Um, But since then, I've done it several times, and now I really enjoy ziplining. But when we got there, we discovered it wasn't just ziplines. There were five of these bridges we had to cross. Had I known that, I would have been at the beach. There's no way I would have gone knowing we had to cross those. One of my goals for the trip was to be present. I wanted to be sure that on this trip, I was there and participating as fully as I could in every minute of the day. So I put my fear aside, and I made it past the first bridge, and then we went immediately into bridge number two. And by the time I got to the center where we had to unbuckle and reattach our line, I was in full-blown panic mode. I was sweating. I was hyperventilating. My tongue was glued to the roof of my mouth. I was shaking all over. I really have no idea how I got to the front of bridge. You can see on this side, I was supposed to be even with her. I'm way back there on the other side and just grateful to be alive. Um, When I got done with this one, I was in no shape to do anymore. So I sat out the next two bridges and I really kind of felt like a failure as I'm watching everyone else cross the bridge, 12-year-old kids, people older than me. I mean, it was awful. And while I was kind of wallowing in self-pity, God reminded me, you crossed two of them. You did something you thought you could never, ever, ever do. Something when I told Darren about it, he's like, you did what? Because I have turned down his offer to do this sort of thing for 25 years. Um, And so I regrouped, and I made it across the final bridge, which was an easy one, but it was the longest and the highest. You know, and looking back, I hope I don't lose that experience because it so parallels what happens in our Christian lives. So many times we are asked to step out in faith to obey and we're too scared, and we lose a blessing. Other times we do step out, we try it, and we feel like what we did wasn't worth it, that we failed, and so we just feel kind of defeated. But every time we take a step of faith, we do something that God asks us to do, it does become easier. And over time, we might even think that thing that was once so scary, now it's even kind of fun to do. So this summer, the challenge for me, and really for you too, is to remember to step out on faith even when it's scary. God's not going to let us fall. Uh, So on Friday morning, we woke up an hour early and skipped breakfast so we could try to get to the border as quickly as possible. Uh, After driving for about two hours, we finally got in line to cross the border, which turned out to be a vastly different experience than what we went through on the American side. Uh, we were quickly bombarded by dozens of people walking by our vans, trying to make us impulsively buy a last-minute souvenir. They had a wall of junk, hundreds of feet long, and along it was anything from blankets and purses to, you can see it, there's a five-foot statue of Jesus you could buy. Um, 
I guess I was designated to tell the story because I had been looking for a tiny Mexican flag all week long. Uh, and when I tried to explain to one of the workers what I was wanting, he must have gotten just a little confused. Uh, although he did come back five minutes later with a Mexican flag, um, yeah, it turned out to be about nine feet taller than what I was expecting. Uh, I had a pass on that, unfortunately. Uh, eventually, after spending all of our remaining pesos, we were able to cross the border just without any issues. Um, I don't really have a good way to tie that in to what I want to say, but I felt like God really spoke to me on this trip uh, about just how important it is to make time to truly connect with people. Uh, due to my own selfish nature, I have a tendency to try to go out of my way to not listen or deal with other people's problems. Uh, this trip to Mexico was a rude awakening for me. One house in particular we distributed food to was this elderly woman who shared with us how she was going through some hard times, to say the least. After recently dealing with her daughter dying of cancer and her son's addiction to drugs, she was going through an enormous amount of pain, and it was obvious she didn't really have anyone to share it with or to support her. Uh, even though I normally just make the excuse that I'm not much of a people person and that uh, someone else can deal with uh, other people's problems, uh, there's some people that don't have a someone else. Um, I want to make sure that I implement into my relationships I have here in Eldo just the importance of connecting and supporting people on a deeper level. So after we crossed the border, we spent the day, the rest of the day in San Diego. And we went to the hotel and got splendid groups. And my room group was Kylie, Rachel, and Courtney, which probably was not the best idea, but we went with it. And we, me, Rachel, and Kylie all decided to annoy Jim for the day and hang around with him. And we ate lunch at Hodad's. And that is a mini cheeseburger, so I do not recommend the single. And then afterwards, we went and got an Uber, my first Uber ever, and went to a national monument that overlooked the beach and kind of like the naval base that they have there. And then we got amazing dessert, which Jim selfishly got to while he was there. And selfishly went to the Padres baseball game without the rest of us. <laughs> but a group of us went to a place called Bub's and just got a bunch of wings and hung out. And then later that night, Rachel and Valerie uh, and me all decided to go on a little night adventure. And they said, lights out at 11. And we decided to challenge that. <laughs> and we went and got some dessert and just... Enjoyed walking around the streets and just looking at all the lights. But what I took away from this trip was that whether we speak English or whether we speak Spanish, that God has a plan for us, and we just have to be able to take a step out of our comfort zone and take that leap of faith. Uh, after a great day in San Diego, the next day was interesting with very mixed emotions. We woke up Saturday morning, loaded up the buses, and headed to the San Diego airport. We got our bags checked with very minimal complications. Be sure to ask Mrs. Bryson about her luggage miracle. Uh, we then flew to Dallas, Texas. When we landed, we already had in mind that we would have a four-hour layover. 
So we ate, walked around. There was a cool skyline thing that we did. So a group of us went on that. We got off the skyline, came back in the airport with news that our flight was canceled. I can speak for myself that I was upset and I was very ready to be home. And I'm sure that a lot of us felt the same. Uh, but Jim was great and he was very calm and tried to find other flights, but that would entail that we would be there for two to three more days. So we ended up staying the night in a hotel, again in Texas, and Sunday morning we were rescued by a group of men from the church. If we could give them a round of applause. They volunteered to drive eight hours down to Dallas, pick us up, load back up, drive eight hours back. One of the vans was full of sick people. And our van, we only stopped once. Uh, two things I learned and that God taught me last week was patience and trust. I am a planner, and I like to know everything that's going on. But I did not know what to expect at our mission trip last week. But it went way better than expected, and I'm very glad that I went. And I had to learn to be patient with our cancellation and everything else that happened. And that is it. And I did not give Jim permission to show that picture. One of the main things this trip taught me is to fully put my trust in Jesus because he has everything under control. Uh, I had a few concerns before going on the trip, such as flying in an airplane for the first time, trying to communicate with others who spoke Spanish, and traveling way further than I had ever been away from home. But by the end of the trip, I didn't want to leave. I made so many friends and grown to love the community. I will say it was the best feeling to step out of my comfort zone and letting God use me in the way he wanted. Now that we're all back home, I'm trusting God will use each one of us to be a light in our community and give us a boldness to share the gospel with others. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Before this trip, the thing I was dreading the most was being way out of my comfort zone. But as soon as we got to Mexico, I realized I didn't have to worry about that at all. Every time I needed to do something that I had never done before, God gave me the strength to do it without hesitation. God showed me on this trip that if he needs you to do something, he will make it so you can do it. This trip has showed me to really be thankful for all I have. For instance, whenever we deliver food to the people's houses, most of the houses would only have one or two rooms in them. And I'm glad that we could help make a difference in their lives. Let me just say that I loved Mexico. I love meeting the new people, encouraging people with food baskets. I love the music and the teamwork. And of course, the food was amazing. God showed me through the week that working in Mexico was life-changing, but it can't stop there. Our mission doesn't end. We went and made a difference in Ensenada, and now we're back to make a difference in Eldorado Springs. When my children told me they wanted to go on this mission trip, I agreed, but I was filled with anxiety and fear. First, I worried about getting our passports on time. 
They said it could take up to 12 weeks, which was cutting it close to when we were leaving. They arrived in about three weeks. Then I worried about fundraising. We weren't planning to go last year, so we were already behind most of the others. Through the generosity of family and friends, we actually raised more money than our family needed to go. Then I worried about our safety in Mexico. But never once while we were there, while we were there did I ever feel we were unsafe. Through this trip, God has reminded me that when he calls us, we need only obey. He will handle the details and be with us every step. That old saying is definitely true. He doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. I feel that God used my drawing ability. I drew an illustration for the story that Miss Cindy told to the children at the church. I am glad that I got to use my talent to tell other people about God. Uh, this was my first mission trip, Brittany and I. Uh, she had to go to work, so she couldn't be here for the second service. Um, God showed me through my daughter that um, through her drawing, and she has anxiety, so I think it helped her to meet and do other things, meet, meet other people and do other things. And she volunteered to pray for a family that we distributed food to. And her testimony earlier in the first service surprised even me. Our children are listening. As we served in Ensenada, Mexico, I was noticing how amazing the attitudes of the people we served were. They were always so welcoming when we went to their homes to distribute food to them. One lady we took food to said, This is your home too. My home is your home. She didn't have very much, but she still said that our home was her home. I think God used the people we served as an example for me to have more of a loving and welcoming attitude to people that I love and strangers that I meet. Uh, Jim thought I should share the Joe story. Um, I didn't really think that was necessary because things that happen in Ensenada need to stay in Ensenada. <laughs> but uh, there's Joe in the back. He, uh, I guess he was born in Mexico. I, I don't know all the details, but grew up in California. Um, got into drugs, gangs, um, had a very rough life, spent a lot of time in prison. Um, like I said, don't know details, but uh, ended up in a rehab, a Christian rehab in Ensenada, and there he found Jesus, gave his life. Oh, deportee, thank you. Yeah, he was deported back to Mexico. Gave his life to Jesus, lives there, uh, serving the men there at this rehab, and then also worked with praying pelicans uh, to help lead groups like us that come over there. Um, one evening, he said that uh, he needed a uh, very strong and preferably good-looking uh, guy to go with him, and so I got chosen. And then uh, he asked Ryan to come too, even though he did not meet the criteria. 
and he just made him sit in the back seat, so I guess that was fine. Um, and anyways, we, and jumping back a little bit, he helps these guys at the rehab. He's a, he's a contractor, so he helps these guys find jobs, um, kind of getting them back on their feet, and that's how he makes a little bit of money um, there in Mexico to support himself. Uh, so he was going to collect some money. Don't know details, but the job wasn't going real well and just needed to collect the money and be done with this customer. So here we are driving down a road in Mexico at uh, night. Um, and I think it was still Ensenada, I don't know, or a suburb of it. We stopped, um, we stopped at an intersection and uh, under a street lamp and waited in Mexico at night. And uh, after a bit, a vehicle pulled up. They jabbered in Spanish. And uh, then somebody jumped out, jumped in the back with Ryan. And uh, just to keep it short, I won't talk about the whimpering noises coming from the back seat. But uh, we drove off a couple miles. We pulled into the driveway. That person handed some money uh, to Joe. And uh, we left and lived. And so it was good. Um, but, yeah, it was a good week. Um, the church is strong in Mexico. Every Saturday morning, the pastors and leaders of a church meet for prayer. And uh, what I've seen uh, from this week is that just really, and I didn't really look it up, that verse that bear each other's one, one another's burdens. And I've seen that there. Um, and, you know, just a thought that I had, probably one of the saddest things that can happen is if any one of us in here brings in a burden, you know, comes to church with a hurt and leaves with that hurt. Um, you know, money can be used in many ways, but it's relationships that count, and uh, we got to make sure we are not losing people that are hurting. So that's all I have. more than ourselves. My favorite part of the ministry is probably playing soccer with all the kids. Even if we couldn't speak each other's languages, it was a good way to communicate. I think food distribution may have been the best part of the ministry. We got to give people food while showing the love of God. It was cool on Sunday at the church how they would sing songs we know in a different language. I think God helped our team build better relationships with each other during the trip. We were able to make friends in Mexico, even though we couldn't understand what they were saying. The people there were really nice to us. Every night, we would have a team meeting and talk about our day. It was usually how God worked that day, and it was a really good way to end the day. All right. Uh, Ryan, just walk up to the front of the stage real quick. The team's blocking you. Ryan played this walkabout drum that looks like a guitar with the neck broken off. Um, here, step forward. They're all craning their necks. Can't see you. But uh, this was a pretty cool way to play percussion walking around in Mexico, I thought. so. Okay, sorry. You can go back there. Um, <clears throat> we had a lot of experiences, but uh, I was struck by one, one day we invited kids from a shanty town. If you've ever been in a developing nation, you've likely seen one where there are people who build houses out of whatever they can find, pallets, corrugated metal, scraps of sheet metal, just build a little shack and live there, and often steal electricity off a power line. You'll see uh, wires with metal hooks where they've thrown it over the power line and managed to steal electricity. It's super dangerous. 
Um, and we were in one of those and, and inviting kids. It was just down the hill from Pastor Condelario's church. I saw people, drug addicts, things like that. Friday morning, two days ago, I walked around El Dorado Springs and I was asking God to show me something. And I saw houses with the sides patched up with pieces of corrugated sheet metal, uh, trash everywhere. I saw a guy who was strung out, passed out in the ditch under a shade tree. I asked him if he was all right. He kind of stirred and didn't really say much. Um, We went as representatives of this church to their churches, and we were able to serve. We were able to be a part of the body of Christ uniting together. But we came home to a place where God calls all of us. And thank you for making a difference by supporting us on this trip. But where God calls all of us, to make a difference. Do we know how? Absolutely not. And, and I get that. We don't know what to do. But we can't, we can't just renege on the mission that God's called us to, to, to impact our community. We can show love. We can pray. We can offer a water bottle to a guy passed out in the ditch. We can, we can show the love of Jesus to our community and not just ignore the problems. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.